Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. This podcast is brought to you by Native Grape Odyssey. Native Grape Odyssey is an educational project financed by the European Union to promote European wine in Canada, Japan, and Russia. Enjoy. It's from Europe. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Warden. My guest today is Silvia Imparato. Silvia's family winery is called the Azienda Agricolo Montevetrano, and that is in Salerno in the Campania region of southern Italy. Welcome. Thank you so much. Tell me a little bit about the history of the estate. Is it a family winery? The estate was the property of my grandfather and grandmother, but they were living in a town in Salerno, and they were used to go there two, three times in the year, not more. So, so it was a holiday? It was a yes. holiday. It was Christmas, was harvest, was Easter time. Were they, but they were from Campania? They are from Campania, and they were born in Salerno. And uh, I remember I was very, very little when I was going with them in Montevetrano. After that, many years passed. Uh, they died and left the property to my parents. And my parents left the property to us three sisters. I was living in Rome. I was a photographer. And uh, during a portrait, I had the fortune to uh, make a photo of an American person who was accustomed to live in the wine. I have to tell that my impression was that he lived from his passion in the wine. And of course, I was very much seducted. The portraits were during about two or three hours. We were speaking and speaking. And after that, I was absolutely certain that that could be a good idea idea to make wine in Montevetrano. And I was really thinking this because uh, Montevetrano was part of uh, my story, my family, my tradition. But the world was changing so much and what I was always thinking to lose Montevetrano one day could be absolutely changed, making a work, something present remembering the past but looking to the future in Montevetrano. So did, were the vineyards already there when... Uh... Yes, there were from 60, 70 years and uh, it was very funny because when I began to understand something in wine I discovered that the vineyards were mixed. There was incredibly for me at the moment, not now that I know the story, there was an incredibly big part of Barbera. Wow, in, uh, in Salerno? In Salerno, and after that I knew that uh, at the end of the 40s many people began to make Barbera in Campania. The reason perhaps was that uh, in that time, at that time, the south of Italy was really something very uh, separated, and perhaps Wife Barbera could open, in a certain sense, the door of uh, the wine and the, the, the north, not as now, not only the Europe, but the world, but at the moment of the north. So, so the idea that so they thought that by having Barbera, and quotes, copying Piemonte, mm -hmm. that they would have success. I think so. I don't know, because I discovered that many, many people, not only Montevetrano, in Campania had Barbera. Someone else told me that uh, they had made some Barbera in Campania. 
So that was in 19, the 1940s. I'm speaking about uh, the end of the 40s. But I knew this when I arrived in Montevetrano looking to do something. It was in the 80s. I was just looking if there was a possibility to make uh, wine with some friends of mine. And uh, we asked a man that had rented a part of uh, Montevetrano if he could leave us his vineyard because we wanted to uh, to graft on the vineyard that were there uh, what we were fond of. We were very fond of very, very special Bordeaux wines like Lafitte, like Margot, like Aubryon, like, like, like all this kind. But it was only for one time, one night, that we were eight people and at the end we were really completely drunk. The vintage was a great vintage, was 59. And I heard my voice saying, oh, very good wine tonight, but I think that if we do something in Montevetrano with Aglianico, it could be something like. I was, of course, drunk, but it was so amusing from that moment to all the others. Why? Because we began really with a f- simple friendship to go in Montevetrano, to stay long weekend, and then one week and then more, just to share this emotion to make a wine in Montevetrano. When did you actually you start making your own wine there? We began just laughing and going in this way. But after two years of this, my friend were some special friend. One of them was was Renzo Cotarella, the brother of Ricardo, that is our winemaker now, a very superstar. And Renzo told me, listen, I can't go on if you really want to make a wine. I'm working with Piero Antinori. At that moment, he was only the director of uh, Castello della Sala, and uh, so he, he really couldn't. And he presented me Ricardo, that uh, at the moment was only his brother. Now, I think you know that he is one of the most superstars in the world. And the first time I met Ricardo, I told him, well, I know you're a very kind person, but I'm changing my life, so please, or we are going to make the best wine in the world, otherwise it was a pleasure. And so they always laugh, speaking of me, because of this uh, person that was trying to make the best wine in the world from the first moment. In terms of the vineyards, what do you have planted now? Now they're passed 25, 30 years from that moment and we planted we graft we, li- we left the only Alianico we had all together that was pure Alianico only 10% of the vineyard and then we grafted Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot at that time Merlot was fantastic was perfume was magnifico now as you well know the weather has changed so much in all these years we have planted more Alianico and um, it was so hot in the last years that Merlot is not so good as it was. So he had no reason and now to stay in the in the blend of Montevetrano. And now we have 30% Tagliannico, 50% Cabernet Sauvignon, only 20% Merlot. Are you going to keep the Merlot or are you going to, you going to take it all away? I'll see, because, you know, I am born not like a person who wants to make wine for the world. In reality, I was making my life and thinking that this marvelous adventure was entering in my life, but just with something that I wanted to share with some friends. 
And after that, after three years, all the people I was knowing that had the tradition in uh, understanding wine was telling me, this is fantastic, this is marvelous. I sent it to Robert Parker, and Robert Parker was writing how Sassicaia in the South is born. Everyone was saying, who is she? What a lucky person. I was absolutely desesperated. I was a photographer with my feet on the floor, and I was knowing that this could be the end of all. Too much publicity publicity for something that was just beginning in little quantity. So from the first moment I had, all people wanted my wine, especially after that Parker has written about. And I had just a little number of bottles, and uh, I declared the false because I had less. And I decided the only possibility to go on in my story was to make people drink the wine. So little quantity in different places, different cultures. As I was photographer, I was accustomed to go in different, different countries. So I began to sell in Switzerland. That was much different from the incredible things they are doing now. They're producing some something, as you know, very, very interesting and big production. At the moment, it was not like that. Then Germany and, of course, the United States. And after that, in all over the world, and uh, we we began also to have a very interesting situation with Spain, but uh, it was interrupted because Spain, as you well know, uh, has began to make wonderful wines and, of course, wanted to sell and make publicity on their wines. And after that, there was, as we have now, a political and a, uh, complication for uh, economical reason. When you were just to go to photography when you were a photographer were you doing were you taking people's portraits or were you a street photographer or an I art began, photographer I began as street photographer that's quite unusual for a woman I think in that time frame is that correct I don't know I never asked it no I was only looking that when I was making photo of persons I was never able to look in their eyes and to make photo in the front of them so, like a portrait, like so. Yes. So, but maybe street photography. So I was asking to myself why, and I decided that I wanted to begin to make a portrait, and so I began my portrait. But were you doing this commercially? I mean, were people paying you to do it, or were you doing it for agencies, like selling your photographs to I don't know? At the, in the beginning, I was working with an agency, and after I was a private studio. And there were people who were asking uh, portraits, but I was working with uh, also with newspapers. Italia, Venerdì di Repubblica, Marie Claire. Did you, did you ever photograph any winemakers or wine people, famous wine people at that time? Or was it mainly actresses or actors? Yes, or I've made some photos, but not official one. Okay. I wasn't, without knowing it, I was sharing my world of photo and my world of wine. Did you, have you photographed the Cotterella brothers? Sure. Yeah, but are they, are they not, happy with the not, results? Not now. No. From the beginning. For example, I made some photo for Ricardo and uh, when uh, his daughter was marrying. But then I stopped. Why? I don't know. I am asking why. When the world of, of wine is official, I stop. Right, okay. So they just, you were concentrating on one thing. I think they're... 
something yeah. private for me. Okay, so photography is one world and I think so. wine is another thing. In reality, it's not so. In my life, it's not separated. But officially, it's separated. I don't know why. Okay, so who's going to succeed you at your farm? Who's the next in line? And your family? Do you have family? Are they going to take over the vineyard at some stage or not? No, no, no. I began, my family was not accustomed to go in the country. They were only going, as I told you, for the holidays. But then they appreciated very much because I began to go alone. And uh, this go in Montevetrano and making wine has changed the life of Montevetrano, of the people working there, of the area. So now, on the contrary of what it was when I began, I began with the first vintage was 91 until now. 95, 97, it was all another story. It was the first one. There was Mastro Berardino, of course. There were Vini di Ravello, but that's all. Now it's crowded with wonderful wine, white and red, simply because the story of that South was not the story of Mandolino, Sole Mio, was the story of people who had always worked La Terra and in a very, very special, great way. So you're saying that the South didn't get the recognition it deserved until later than other regions in Italy, say Tuscany or or Piemonte. Are you saying that the wines from Campania got less um, fame uh, than, say, Barolo and Barbaresco? At that moment, no fame at all. Absolutely no fame at all. And when Robert Parker said about Montevetrano, it was really a bomb because no one was speaking of Campania. There was, as I say, Mastro Berardino, always with great Taurasi, then as now. But now you can really choose in many, many, many different situations that arrived after the attention of uh, the press to Campania. When is the best time of the year to visit Campania? Well, I'm fond of so I can say every time, no. If I'm planning a The best trip. time is not, I don't think it is summertime because we are in a touristic place, very close to a tori- touristic place, so everything is so crowded and it is not only the noise of many people, it's, only, it's also not to see, to really have the sensation of the, the space that you have, the light that you have. So I always suggest March, April, May, June, the first part of June, and then of course September, October, sometimes November too. After that, there are some winter moments, very beautiful, but some others very cold. Yeah, I mean, it gets very hot and touristy in summer, doesn't it? Yes. So what is a good match? What is your favourite local dish? Okay, if I come and see you in Campania. There are so many to me. Uh, me, I am fond of, uh, with Montevetrano, for example, I'm fond of... Uh, so what is the exact play? If I, if I get your latest vintage of Montevetrano... My latest I come, I come or and visit my you. first? No, your latest. Yes. Okay, I come down and visit you, you know, early spring, not too hot. We have a bottle of uh, Montevetrano. The latest open. one? Yeah. So We're, the youngest? Yeah, we open it and, we, and, we, and I said, what are we having for lunch? And what, what would you say would well, be Well, if it is really very young, I offer you... Not the white, because I also make a white now. But From? And now I make other two wines that are Core Bianco, Core Rosso. Core Bianco is Fiano and Greco, 50-50. Core Rosso is Aglianico, Puro. I buy the, uh, the grapes, so it costs much, much less. But my top wine is Montevetrano. So if you arrive in Montevetrano in springtime, 
and you just want to to taste the last so the youngest the younger the young wine yeah well you expect that i can offer you the white no i offer you montevetrano fresh with alici fritte so fried anchovies yes ma fritti come fritti con la pastella okay so they're a little bit little bit fat and hot in the mouth with this Montevetrano, the acidity of Montevetrano, clean the mouth. When you say hot and it's very elegant, the two together. So when you're saying fritto, fried, are you adding any like peperoncino? Is it spicy? Or no, 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 no. Just in fresh. O- in oil. Because we are very sure. We are very close to uh, Costiera. Uh, we go in 20 minutes in Cetara. So Cetara that's the, the, is very um, famous for the Tyrrhenian coast, yeah? Si. The, oh, the Amalfi si. coast, yeah. So not spicy. But after that, I will offer you lamb. Mm-hmm. That for us is Capretto, mm-hmm. baby lamb, with Montevetrano different vintages. Okay, so what, so basically that's quite a fatty lamb, isn't it? Milky lamb. It's a young lamb, Capretto. Not so fat, yeah. Sorry, goat, yeah. Cap- yeah, a goat, yeah. Capretto. It's something like a goat. It's a little capra. Okay, a little baby. It's not agnello, it's capra. No, it's capretto. Baby capretto, baby but goat. But I very often offer, offer lamb too. But sometimes I offer Montevetrano with fish, fat fish. Like, like uh, cod, for example. But when you say, so you're talking about bacala? See. Si. Yeah, so that's um, salt cod. But it is not salt when you... No, it's not salty, but it's been salted, yeah? Yes, yes. It's been aged in... But I, I, we used to make bacala in, um, I think, 50 different ways. I love bacala. Yeah, well, that's your one of your key dishes in Campania, uh, isn't it? The fishes I was uh, remembering before was rombo. Oh, what is rombo in um, rombo with potatoes? I don't remember. Yeah, that. I should know this, but I don't. I'm afraid. Anyway, they're fat fish that with Montevetrano, a little bit fresh, so fantastic. So, so you mean slightly slightly chilled? You mean? Yes. Okay. Yes. So the blend of your wine would be what? So if we take the blend of my wine is is Montevetrano. That means that all the vineyards are in Montevetrano, mm-hmm. 15 kilometers from Salerno, mm-hmm. six kilometers from San Cipriano Picentino. In that area of Campania, in a property that is like a circle, that means that I have put in the time Cabernet Sauvignon, Aglianico, and Merlot in all the different places. That means that I have different soil, different exposition, and this for me is absolutely very, very, very special and very interesting. I am asking why I go on making a wine that is so much without truth. What I mean is that I think that my passion for the wine is because absolutely without a truth, like life. When I go on on the market with the new year, the new vintage, I always used to have five different glasses for my same, the same wine. Mm-hmm. And I can assure you that if I didn't know, I could think there were five different wines. And if I map you're not the same wine, it's different. If I drink coffee or yeah. eat an olive, so uh, I think this is the most interesting thing. That's why I'm always making uh, research and to have the same Aglianico, the same Cabernet Sauvignon, the same Merlot in different places. And I think this is a big challenge that gives energy to my life. So I want to say thanks to my guest today. Silvia Imparato from the Monte Vetrano Winery in Salerno. 
obviously a lady of passion. Sure. Uh, but you're very artistic. I don't know. No, you are. I mean, just uh, I can't describe how you're dressed, but I don't know. You know, if somebody said, if if somebody said, I've got to guess your career, <laughs> and, I, and I, I'm not going to say why. I'm going to say you're definitely you work in the art world. You're an artist. You're somebody the way you're dressed. You know, the lot of textures in the clothing that you're wearing, and cool. and uh, I'd love to see you work as a photographer actually as well. Cause I love. I've got, I've got my cameras on my desk, but I'm sure I'd learn a lot from you. Uh, about taking photos but it's interesting that you've you know photography's always been quite a difficult industry to make money with to be successful financially shall we say very few people manage to really and a lot of in wine as well as we know we always have the joke about wine if you want to make a small fortune start with a big one and, and plant yourself a vineyard so I want to say thanks to my guest so, today Silvia Imperato from the Montevitrano Winery in the province of Salerno in Campania in southern Italy uh, thanks for sharing your passion for your I'm not going to say Bordeaux Italo blend. <laughs> <told> off. <laughs> Absolutely not. I have many French, France, French, and they always recognize Montevetrano between the French. I put in a blind, blind tasting. Blind tasting. They always recognize Montevetrano. So that's the power of the Alianic <laughs> over the uh, interlopers, Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. In. Thank you to you. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Native Grape Odyssey, discovering the true essence of high-quality wine from Europe. Find out more on nativegrapeodyssey.eu. Enjoy. It's from Europe. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 